Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode three of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Seven Positive and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Adam Jefford, a passionate educator who believes in the efficacy of design thinking. He's worked as the head of creative industries at Pimpermar State Secondary College since 2013 and is a past Queensland Smithsonian Cooper Hewitt Design Museum Fellow. I've been fortunate to collaborate with Adam over the past few years on a variety of projects and as of January 2017, Adam will take on a new role as the manager of the Asia Pacific Design Library at the State Library of Queensland. On today's podcast, we'll discuss how Adam believes that design thinking and social entrepreneurship can be used in education to best prepare students for future challenges. We'll talk about a range of projects Adam's been involved in, including Jumpstart, a design thinking and social entrepreneurship high school program, and FixEd, a school-led social enterprise. And along the way, we'll get Adam's insights and thoughts on the future of innovative education. Adam, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tom. Adam, could you please share a bit about your background in education and the path that you took to get to where you are today? Sure. I'm not really sure about the path. I certainly didn't set out to be a teacher or an educator or, or even interested in this thing in this thing called design, but it's certainly something that has played and, and continues to play a big part of I guess both my personal and my professional life. The I guess the journey started in art school, studying art and mm. along the way discovering that I liked knowing how things worked and as much as I liked the art of things I kind of liked the design of things and, and how things mm. worked and that led into to education which you know for me was about thinking again about how things work and and, and thinking about how to, to communicate along those lines not just with I guess young people but just broadly it seemed mm. to make sense yep. um, and then you know fast forward a couple of years I was teaching art and design in, in Brisbane schools and Logan schools and just found I guess initially anecdotally but then over the years I guess with more and more quantitative and qualitative data that you know design thinking and, and design processes just really made sense in um, pedagogy, in teaching and engagement of young people in in projects. That definitely makes sense to me. But for those of us who are unfamiliar with design thinking, especially within that sort of secondary education context, 
What does that actually mean, and and how does it play out in a school? Sure, I guess it I guess it works at a couple of levels. Um, at a at a design level, it's about I guess a a, a, pro, a, a language of problem solving or, or, or a language of, of thinking about how to solve problems. It's certainly, I guess, at an educational level about what we would broadly call an inquiry process to learning. So, um, and, and inquiry sounds like what it is. It's about inquiring mm. into problems. And typically inquiry is also about hands-on mm. learning or, or hands-on problem solving. That doesn't mean to say that it has to be, you know, physical construction or, or, or hands-on like that. Sure. But sometimes you'd talk about authentic or a real world context for a problem. So mm. it, it can still be in the abstract if you like, but it is still connected to real world challenges or, or, or actual challenges that are facing local or national um, communities. And, yeah. yeah. And you joined Pimpama State Secondary College in its, in its founding year. What year was that? Yeah, 2013, first year. So it was the first year in there. You've seen the school grow enormously while you've been there. Mm. And during that time as well, you've, you've embedded that design thinking process within the school, mm. across the curriculum, and, and you've obviously faced some challenges in doing that. Sure. So what were those challenges and, <laughs> and how did you get around them? You know, we, it's, it's an interesting challenge at Pimpamar and, you know, most schools, if you like, have significant histories, you know, that they've been around 50 to 100 and, and sometimes longer. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you work in schools or, or in places that have a history, uh, often you would talk about change management you know so so how do you how do you move forward in in your process while retaining stakeholders yeah and and, and getting that buy-in yeah. at Pimpama you know we were in a sense without legacy that there was no if you like there was there was nothing to change mm. necessarily but I guess what we brought to the picture was the idea that we wanted to change things that we had all experienced in yep. schools as well as probably some um, individual experiences that we'd had that, that we wanted to, to change as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess in terms of challenges, it, it's not so much about change management as it was about the opportunity to build something from scratch. And I, and I guess as any, everybody knows, when you build something from scratch, it's really a lot harder than it seems like because you discover a whole heap of things that sure. you just could never have predicted before you started. Yeah, I bet. And so what advice would you give to teachers or principals mm. who are interested in, in implementing that design thinking strategy in their schools um, or even social entrepreneurship education? And what would you tell them from the experiences you've learned about you know how, how they could best go about that? I think it's about finding the right projects and finding the right space to do it and and that's easy to say and hard to do 
particularly in, in a place like a school where it's very busy and there's a lot of external and internal pressures around um, curriculum and extracurricular experiences mm. and um, you know managing and balancing community expectations and um, student expectations. Yeah. I think part of the success that we've had at Pimpama has been about finding projects that align and connect with all of the stakeholders. Mm. Um, so that's teachers, it's students, it's parents. Um, yep. It's also about the alignment with wider priorities, whether that's about cross-curriculum or core priorities in ACARA, as well as, you, our, I guess, the state-based priorities. Having said that, you know, we, when, we've, when we've done projects, we've, we've done them in a sense knowing that if it's a good project, if it's a good piece of curriculum, mm. you almost don't need to worry about the alignment because it, in a sense it'll, it'll take care of itself. So we, we put our energy into developing the good curriculum yep. rather than worrying about meeting, uh, I guess, a minimum mandated standard of education. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and I guess that that's, the, that's about the pressure Yep. that you can feel as an educator around outcomes-based education. So whether you're looking at um, things like NAPLAN or even just your internal and external assessment measures um, that you know you, you definitely have to do. But again, I think that the, the success that we've had has been about finding projects that meet the needs of those pressures as well as meet the needs of what the students need now yep. with one eye on what they will need in the future as well. Sure. Collaboration sounds like a large part of that success and in, in having that experience what do you believe are the fundamental ingredients required to create that sort of collaborative and innovative learning environment within schools? Yeah and I mean I think it's about relationships often you know schools and partners of schools as well it, it's not difficult to, to strike up a partnership but I think that a lot of the partnerships that schools have are transactional in the sense that it's based on a just on a very surface level conversation around well you give us this and, and we'll give you that mm. um, and and that's good and, and it certainly meets the needs of schools yep. but I guess the the partnerships and the relationships that that I strive for and, and that we've tried to establish as a college are about uh, a deeper engagement in the conversation in the relationship to well, I mean, all the obvious things around, um, you know, a deeper buy-in, a shared mm. understanding yep. around what's important, the hows and whys of, of why um, sure. we're going to do a project. Yep. I guess that's easier said than done, again. And one of the pressures you have in a school is, is time, mm. and I guess any job, but certainly time to deliver on those agreements is, is sure. difficult particularly when your students um, are short on time. Yeah, I imagine. So how do you think schools can then best become agents of positive social impact? What sort of projects, what sort of things could they take on? What sort of actions, uh, partnerships could they create to, to, to create that? Well, I think 
positive social impact is about relationships mm. um, at, a, at a base level it, it's probably about you know giving students an opportunity to engage at a minimum with empathy mm. um, you know to and, and what that looks like in schools is often um, a visit to a hospice or sure. engaging in food for homeless and, and people experiencing hardship yeah um, you know and undoubtedly it's, it's positive what we've strived for at the college is to have that but to have more to have a deeper engagement deeper conversation around positive mm. social impact and and understanding that we can do a couple of things in that conversation we can certainly work towards improving the quality of life for people experiencing hardship in the community but that we can package that as well in terms of lifelong skills that Mm. the students will have and i guess deepen and and work on through the through that experience yeah so in 2015 uh, we founded jumpstart which is a design thinking and social entrepreneurship program and this was done with support from John Thornbury as well, the principal of Pimpama State Secondary College. So for the listeners, what is Jumpstart about and how does it prepare students to turn problems into opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like we should both answer this in a sense, but mm. what it looks like for me in the school is giving students opportunities to engage with social enterprise, with design thinking, with business models Mm. in school and I understand objectively that you know students in most schools would would study business or you know would engage in in some kind of entrepreneurial activity Mm. Um, and 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 our students do as well aside from jumpstart you know that they have every every student in year eight does a business subject um, and and they do an enterprise activity and, and social enterprise is one of the topics that they study but I guess from my perspective what I was looking for and this is probably true of all the projects we do is for that interdisciplinary experience where not only does business or enterprise or or social enterprise become part of the mix but we're also looking at um, technology manufacturing Mm. digital technologies design arts so trying to create an experience, a rich experience, where um, students from all different skill sets and I guess almost different understandings of what they can and can't do yep. at that point can come together in a meaningful way to, to create a net positive impact mm. on a project. And in terms of being prepared for risk or, or understanding of what risk looks like for them, failure or even what success looks like for them how is this embedded within that sort of program or within other programs in the school and why is that important for for the kids so risk failure success what it looks like for us is and and it's it's really connected to design thinking as well Mm. because one of the ways that we encourage students to take risks and, and to be comfortable with failure is to embrace the process and if you're staying reasonably true to that design thinking process, um, you understand that to succeed, you have to fail 
first sure and ideally fail a lot of times and as quickly as possible as you work towards you know refining and iterating that product Mm. so you know design gives us a framework within which to support students to take risks to engage in meaningful failure if you like but to provide them with the tools to engage with failure Mm -hmm. and understand that actually it's it's really just a step on the way to success yeah sure over the time we've we've drawn on the foundation for young australians reports um, such as the new work order report which states that seven out of ten young people enter the workplace in in jobs now they're going to be radically affected by automation and that's obviously just one challenge that that these future generations are going to face so what are the key skills that you believe are crucial for those students in preparing them for the future we've spoken about risk we've spoken about you know understanding failure and success are there any other things that that you think are really crucial for them to learn yeah i mean it's it's difficult in some ways to to do the crystal ball particularly given that we're going to have a a recording of the prediction but i mean i think well we can look we can look back on and reflect sure i guess a a couple of thoughts about that schools and and to an extent i think universities although um you know universities probably do need to do this more than schools but schools certainly put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have students come out as as work ready Mm. um people young people i think that the labour market or, or the jobs of the future isn't geared anymore towards kids coming out of school and being able to go into that trade or into that vocation. Mm. Um, you know, we understand that the, the place that RTOs and, and places like TAFE play is, is that they sit somewhere in between school and work. And, sure. you know, the jobs that, that maybe used to exist for, for young people at the end of year 10 or the end of year 12 are... Uh, are further and further away or non-existent mm. um, now. So I think that part of our thinking has been there that, um, and, and it's actually, it's liberating in a way mm. to allow yourself to focus on some long-term goals rather than just some short or medium-term goals. And, and if you do focus on the long-term goals, you know, which is around skills or or classes of skills that are going to support students in whatever pathway they choose Um, it allows you to make some decisions that that hopefully um, are more meaningful so we would definitely talk about creativity and acknowledge at the same time that creativity is a particularly nebulous Mm. concept in, in in some ways to teach students just like innovation is as well I guess what we would say about creativity and and how we try to teach it is that we definitely take an approach where the ability to move fluidly across areas of knowledge um, so again that the idea of being very interdisciplinary in our approach to teaching we feel that that's kind of a key attribute that sure. our young people need in the future mm. and the FYA uh, has recently talked about clusters of skills so yeah. just the idea that students won't just work with in, in one job or in one career but that mm. they'll work in a, a a career pathway that would be 
have jobs or, or skills that are related but are kind of crossing over sure. a little bit as well. We would also talk about resilience, mm. and I think that resilience is closely connected to that conversation we had around failure and success, yep. and, it, and it is inextricably linked to conversations around creativity as well because you know we don't want our students to give up on their first go mm. um, and, and whether that's creativity or whether it's risk taking or whether it's failing fast it's important that they are not disheartened yeah, sure. and, and that they have the skills and, and the resilience to, um, to keep going and, and to keep crafting there's a lot of challenges there for those future students or for those current students so how have you seen secondary education transform over these last five years let's say and yeah we're pulling out the crystal ball again but how do you see it shifting into the future yeah difficult <laughs> another difficult question um, and and I guess not least of all because I've only been in education for about 10 years now so my experience of it is that that there are more and more opportunities for a transdisciplinary experience in schools we've certainly seen some writing on the wall if you like although it's it's more than that at this stage with the new senior assessment system that'll be phased in in 2019 in Queensland which will bring us into alignment with um, some of the other states on the eastern seaboard you know, one of those shifts that's happening there is the way subjects are being rewritten. And mm. for example, design is a subject that'll be implemented in, in 2019. And it wasn't so long ago that there was a conversation in secondary education with the curriculum authority around... And, and it wasn't that design wasn't a valuable skill, but it was seen as a way of working Mm. um, rather than a standalone subject. Uh, You know, so the idea that design underpinned technology or or design underpinned art practice. Mm. And and there's been a shift in the last five years in, in, I guess, that curriculum authority's approach to to what design looks like. At the same time, that design subject, in a way, is replacing... um, technology studies and graphics you know so there is a uh, I wouldn't say a collapsing although it's easy to look at it like that mm. but there is a there is definitely a, um, a clustering of skills or, or if you like design skills that are now coming together in curriculum and in the next five years we'll, we'll start to see students who are learning about both design history as well as a design process Mm. whether that's fashion or architecture or um, you know advanced manufacturing and they're doing that understanding that they will have selected or they will select kind of complementary subjects that go along with it so it Mm. might be design and art or design and manufacturing or you know even design and and dance or, Mm. or design and hospitality um, so I think you know my prediction would be that 
we will have or we'll be asking students sooner and sooner in the sense that like earlier in their school career to Mm. make longer term decisions around the skills that they want to learn Mm. but that those skills will be quite interdisciplinary in in how they're put together. Mm. Some interesting insights. From a, I mean, you've mentioned technology there. From from that technology perspective, what role do you see that having in the future in, in terms of education? You know, and and seeing schools now with you know ten, twenty, three D printers and a CNC and and amazing workshop facilities. How can that best prepare or be used as a tool to prepare students for future challenges? Schools in Queensland, at least, would see that. Um, well. I mean, it's important to define technology. So technology in a school means both information communication technology, so ICT, as well as industrial Mm. technology and design and manufacturing. Having said that, they're both underpinned by a design process um, in the syllabus as well as in their approaches to teaching. Um, They both would talk about the development of products and and both are underpinned by a design process, um, Mm. whether it's design factors or, um, you know, contexts and and purposes Mm. for creating um, information technology products. I guess what I would say about both of them is that ideally you shouldn't be teaching to the software or to the hardware or to the machine. They're important skills, but if we're talking about setting students up for success in the future, then really what we need to be teaching them is approaches to thinking, um, mm. approaches to doing. So that's that's what helps us focus on soft skills sure. like creativity and collaboration, communication, resilience, risk-taking, yep. because we understand that um, technology will change. And, I mean, that's something we probably do understand really well. Um, yep. You know, the fact that schools do have... Or students have access to, to technologies like a 3D printer or a CNC when they definitely wouldn't have even five years ago mm. um, rather than focusing on success as being measured by access to the technology we need yeah. to measure the success by what they do with the technology mm. um, yeah very interesting and so fix ed that's a, a new project it's a school-led social enterprise which is due to launch in 2017 what's that project about and who does it help so we've been looking for a way to have that deeper engagement with the community that i was talking about earlier and it's not to say that we haven't had and and kind of completed meaningful engagement with our community um but we were and, and, you know, when I say we, I guess Tom, you and, and I and, and some of our teachers, Stephen and Dwayne, um, we're interested in how, again, how could we combine something like uh, a manufacturing skill around repair mm. um, with empathy um, and in the context of, um, you know, genuine, if you like, community service. Um, and, and I guess I say genuine in the sense that um, ongoing meaningful and um, useful sure. as well. And, and useful for everybody, but particularly useful for the community mm. um, and, and useful for the student as well. Sure. So one of the things that we as a school and as a department 
we've done a lot of is recycling and um, looking at waste streams to to maximise our operating budgets, um, as well as the important conversations that happen around sustainability when we're teaching. Mm. And one of the things that we were just almost stumbled upon was mobility scooters. And originally we were looking at mobility scooters just as um, objects from which to mine parts from. So to, you know, rehab alternators and and distributors and um, VCDs and, and other other parts of the, the componentry that we could then, um, you know, hack, if you like, sure. into something else. But I had a conversation with John, the principal, and he talked about how his father was having more and more difficulty getting around independently and that, you know, if 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 we did repair one of those scooters that he would love to buy it and, and to give it to his father. Mm. And I guess it kind of... The more and more I thought about it and, and the more that I talked with you and, and with the other teachers, we I guess we all kind of realised that maybe there was something in that that we could really make something, and that's to say that our students could really make something that was of real value mm. to people experiencing hardship in sure. the community. So those objects would get, those mobility scooters would get repaired? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely repaired um, but we wanted to take a very human centered design approach to it mm. so at, at a minimum repair but ideally a customization of those objects for the people who needed them and to get the students talking face to face with the people that they were were making these objects for so that they could have that opportunity to build their soft skills mm. um, empathy empathy and and the communication and and collaboration sure. as well in, in a meaningful and positive way sure so have you come across any inspiring projects or initiatives recently perhaps from other schools or states or even overseas which are creating positive social change in the education sphere yeah, sure. I, I mean, just yesterday I read an article about um, some of the boys at, at Brisbane Boys Grammar who had produced furniture for students with special needs mm. at one of their local schools. And that was, a, that was done within um, technology subjects. Mm. The boys went down and, and met with the teachers and the parents and, and the community as well as the students and mm. talked about the needs both of the students in the classroom as well as um, what the teachers and the parents were looking for and that one of these young men came up with a design um, solution for it and knocked out a a prototype and took it down and and Mm. observed those students using it and and got feedback and and ended up iterating on that design and then I think that they've they've produced about 12 or, or 14 of these desks for the students to have and and they've just kind of delivered them so I think yeah the stuff like that where you're able to connect uh, you know a need yep and and the need is in a sense outside 
of the school and, yeah. and outside of, of the student in the project, mm. but where the student in the project is able to apply those design skills to produce something that, that not only meets the brief, if you like, mm. the brief being their assessment, but also meets real needs of, of real people out there in the world. Sounds like a great project. You're about to enter the role as manager of the Asia Pacific Design Library, which is part of the State Library of, of Queensland, Adam. So what is it about this role that you're looking forward to and are there any particular goals that you're likely to pursue while you're there? Look, I mean, I, I to be honest, I, I probably have more questions than I have answers. At the moment, mm. the, the APDL, the, the Design Library, has been around since 2010. It's something that I've engaged with as a teacher, as a, as a student, if you like, you know, doing professional development um, and, and having professional and critical conversations around design. Mm. Um, it's something that I've seen from an educational point of view as, as a place to share and to collaborate and communicate around projects, so both in the form of sharing curriculum and, and toolkits that we've prototyped and, and trialled and implemented at mm. Pimpama, as well as to access other people's, other schools, other teachers' approaches to, to using design thinking. But also the library as as a place to, to connect with with other, with the design industry um, and I guess design as it is, as it sits in, in tertiary education as well. Sure. So, you know, the library, I guess what I'm excited about is that broader perspective of the state of Queensland and I guess the state of play in design education. Um, you know, to see what it looks like at Bamaga mm. as well as Brisbane, sure. um, you know, and, and right out to the border in every direction. Very interesting insights. To wind up, Adam, are there any great design, sort of social impact books or resources that you'd recommend to the listeners? Sure. You know, we, I mean, I guess at an educator level, we looked a lot at human-centred design, um, so, and, and that's very Googleable mm. for sure. But we also looked at some of the audio resources, um, so design mixtapes and, and um, the design educators toolkit yep. um, as well. And obviously um, the resources that the State Library has through the APDL. Sure. Um, but you know, I guess I guess the thing about our approach has been at the college is that um, just to yeah, definitely do your reading but have a go as quick as you can um, because you're going to learn a whole lot more about what it is if you put it into action and then reflect and iterate and jump into the event. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I've really enjoyed speaking to you today, Adam. Thanks very much for your generous insights and best of luck next year in, in the new role. Thank you, Tom. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to Impact Food. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.